Hello, everyone, and welcome to the October 23rd edition of the WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles, an attorney with the Floyd Scarron Law Firm. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our top stories. Given the exceedingly narrow scope of judicial review of arbitration awards, assuring both the actual and apparent impartiality of a neutral arbitrator is crucial to the legitimacy of arbitration as a dispute resolution mechanism. This month, a Court of Appeal published opinion illustrated one of the rare instances where an arbitration award was vacated for the impression of possible bias. In this case, plaintiff FCM Investments LLC signed a purchase agreement in 2019 to buy real property in Riverside, California from the defendant Grove Farm LLC, a company owned by Fuang Farm. Defendant Grove operated a nursing home on that property with resident patients. FCM agreed to pay Grove $7.45 million to buy the property with an upfront deposit of $500,000, and escrow was to close in 30 days. But disputes arose during the due diligence process, and the parties extended the escrow closing date several times. By April 2019, FCM filed a lawsuit in Riverside Superior Court against the sellers, alleging that their dilatory tactics were preventing completion of the sale. Under the contract, the parties were required to mediate any dispute or claim and arbitrate disputes not resolved by mediation. The parties stipulated to arbitrate their dispute before Honorable Judith Cherlin retired, a Superior Court judge now employed by Judicate West, and arbitration proceeded over two days in June 2021. The arbitrator concluded that the FOMS, the seller, reach, uh, breached the agreement and that the buyer, FCM, was justified in terminating escrow. The buyer was awarded a return of its deposit with interest, loss of bargain damages of $9.1 million plus interest, $127,040 in attorney fees, and $20,048 in costs. The buyer then filed a petition to confirm the arbitration award in the Superior Court, and seller moved to vacate it pursuant to the California Arbitration Act. The Superior Court denied the seller's motion to vacate and entered judgment for the buyer confirming the arbitration award. However, the Court of Appeal vacated the arbitration award in the published case of FCM Investments v. Grove Farm LLC. Although the seller asked to vacate the arbitration award on multiple grounds, the Court of Appeal largely focused on just one. The arbitrator found the seller in breach based largely on an assessment of witness credibility. The arbitrator said she felt the case was unique to her, both in 12 years of doing arbitration and 24 and a half years on the Los Angeles County Superior Court. And in the arbitrator's view, the seller, Fuang Pham, lacked credibility because she used a Vietnamese interpreter during the arbitration proceedings. 
The arbitrator reasoned that Fuang Pham had been in the country for decades and engaged in sophisticated business transactions and previously functioned in some undisclosed capacity as an interpreter. So her use of an interpreter at the arbitration was, in the arbitrator's words, a tactical ploy to seem less sophisticated. The Court of Appeal then noted that while arbitration awards are nearly immune from attack, one of the limited grounds for a challenge is bias on the part of the arbitrator. And courts are empowered to act where that impartiality can reasonably be questioned. And case law provides that any tribunal permitted by law to try cases and controversies not only must be unbiased, but also must avoid even the appearance of bias. And sensitivity toward language difficulties is the hallmark of our multilingual state. Across California, approximately 40% of us speak a non-English language at home, and there are more than 200 languages and dialects spoken in California. The Court of Appeals said it had to guess what evidence, if any, was presented as to Fuang's English proficiency during arbitration, as arbitration proceedings are unreported. Here, the arbitrator's credibility finding rested on unacceptable misconceptions about English proficiency and language acquisition. These misconceptions, in turn, give rise to a reasonable impression of possible bias on the part of the arbitrator, requiring reversal of the judgment and vacating the arbitration award. And now our crime report. The president of a Silicon Valley-based medical technology company was sentenced to eight years in prison in order to pay $24 million in restitution for defrauding his investors and healthcare fraud and illegal kickbacks in connection with the submission of over $77 million in claims for COVID-19 and allergy testing. Mark Sheena, who lives in Los Altos, California, served as the president of Arayet Corporation when he defrauded Arayet's investors by claiming that he invented a revolutionary technology to test for virtually any disease using a single drop of blood from a finger stick sample. Sheena and his publicist claimed that Sheena was the father of microarray technology and that he was on the shortlist for the Nobel Prize in meetings with investors. Sheena also represented to investors that Arrayet could be valued at $4.5 billion. Sheena orchestrated an illegal kickback and healthcare fraud scheme that involves submitting fraudulent claims to Medicare and private insurance for unnecessary allergy testing when the company ran allergy screening tests on every patient for 120 different allergens, regardless of medical necessity. She had paid kickbacks to marketers and orchestrated a deceptive marketing plan that falsely claimed that the Arrayet test was highly accurate in diagnosing allergies when in fact it was not. The evidence at 
trial also showed Arrayet billed more per patient to Medicare for blood-based allergy testing than any other laboratory in the United States. Sheena also concealed from investors and patients that the Food and Drug Administration had informed him that the Arrayet test was not accurate enough to receive an emergency use authorization for use in the United States for COVID-19 testing. Sheena also issued false press releases and public statements on social media that Arrayet had entered into lucrative partnerships with companies, government agencies, and public institutions, including a children's hospital and a major California health care provider. The press releases and statements falsely claimed that such entities had agreed to use the Arrayet technology when, in fact, no such agreement existed or were of minimal value. And in another case, 49-year-old Stephen Donofrio, who lives in Temecula, California, has been sentenced to federal prison for conspiring to commit health care kickbacks. He was found guilty by a jury last May following a two-week trial and was sentenced to 42 months in federal prison. Donofrio conspired with others to pay and receive kickbacks in exchange for the referral of pharmacogenic, that's PGX, tests. Pharmacogenic testing is a type of genetic testing that identifies genetic variations that affect how an individual patient metabolizes certain drugs. The illegal arrangement concerned the referral of PGX tests to clinical laboratories in Fountain Valley, Irvine, and San Diego. More than $28 million in illegal kickback payments were exchanged by those involved in the conspiracy. In total, 12 individuals from three states were charged for their roles in the kickback scheme. A Fresno distributor was arrested for selling non-FDA-approved test kits. Hia Bei Zhu, a.k.a. Jesse Zhu, a citizen of China who formerly resided in Clovis, was arrested on a criminal complaint for manufacturing and distributing misbranded medical devices in violation of the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act and for making false statements to the FDA. Zhu and others manufactured, imported, sold, and distributed hundreds of thousands of COVID-19 test kits, in addition to test kits for HIV, pregnancy, clinical urinalysis, and other conditions. They did so through the companies Universal MedTech Incorporated, UMI, and Prestige Biotech Incorporated, PBI, which were based in Fresno and Reedley. UMI and PVI did not obtain the required authorizations to manufacture and distribute the test kits and mislabeled some of these kits. When questioned by the FDA officials, Zhu made false statements about his identity, his ownership and control of UMI and PVI, and the activities of UMI and PVI. UMI first registered as a medical device manufacturer with the FDA in November 2015 in Tulare, and it then moved to Fresno in 2018. 
Then its registration lapsed in 2022, and it is no longer permitted to manufacture or import any in vitro diagnostic test kits in the United States. Any test kits that a company manufactured or imported after that date are considered misbranded medical devices. UMI applied for an emergency use authorization for its COVID-19 test kits, but never received it due to its major deficiencies in UMI's test studies. In November 2022, Fresno County officials notified UMI that they were going to inspect UMI's Fresno facility to ensure everything was up to code following a fire that occurred at that facility. FDA officials then received an email from UMI's attorney saying the company had gone out of business and sold its assets to PVI, a company that was formed in Las Vegas, Nevada. But PBI was never registered with the FDA to manufacture or import any in vitro diagnostic test kits in the United States and never received an EUA, that's emergency use authorization, to manufacture and distribute its COVID-19 kits. Therefore, any such test kits would be misbranded medical devices. If convicted, Mr. Zhu faces a maximum statutory penalty of three years in prison for the misbranding of medical devices charge and five more years in prison for the false statements he made uh, to the FDA. And in regulatory news, the Labor Commissioner's Office has cited Hyatt Regency Long Beach nearly $4.8 million for failing to timely offer job positions to 25 employees who were laid off during the COVID-19 pandemic once the hotel increased its business operations and began rehiring employees as required by the California right to recall law. The employees included restaurant servers, event servers, bartenders, housepersons, turndown attendants, cashiers, and stewards. The Labor Commissioner's Office started its investigation in 2022 after receiving complaints from numerous Hyatt Regency Long Beach workers and subsequently issued a citation against Hyatt Regency for 8,983 aggregate days of violations under the law. This law allows liquidated damages of $500 per worker for each day the employee's recall rights were violated. The nearly $4.8 million citation will be paid to the 25 affected employees. The right to recall law requires employers in the hospitality and building services industry to offer available job openings that are the same or similar to jobs held by the workers that were laid off during the pandemic based on company seniority. This law went to effect on April 16, 2021 and has been extended to December 31, 2025. The insurance commissioner issued a decision last May on the WCIRB September 1, 2023 regulatory filing. Since then, the WCIRB has issued over 90% of the January 1, 2024 experience modifications, that's XMODs, 
that insurers, agents, brokers, and policyholders rely on for January policy renewals. And there are several tools to access published XMODs and check the status of a pending XMOD. Authorized users may view and download a PDF of published experience rating worksheets, and insurers are also able to search their own policies for XMODs that are pending due to missing data. XMOD Direct is a product that allows Connect users to request an email when a new or revised XMOD is issued for a policyholder. These tools and much more are now available on the WCIRB website. The Teamsters Union, which was founded back in 1903, represents 1.2 million workers in U.S., Canada, and Puerto Rico. The Teamsters are condemning California Governor Newsom after the governor vetoed a multitude of bills that the union said would have improved workers' rights, occupational safety, and financial security for the middle class. The union said that the worst veto was AB 316, legislation that would have required a human operator in any vehicle over 10,000 pounds. And this was a priority law for the Teamsters and was incredibly popular, they say. Over 90% of the state legislature voted in favor of it, and public polling shows that nearly three-fourths of Californians across party lines, gender, geography, and all other demographics supported AB 316, and that this was unsurprising data, given that collisions and accidents with self-driving vehicles continue to occur. In addition to AB 316, there were 12 other pro-worker bills that Newsom voted, which were an issue of concern for the Teamsters Union. Self-insured groups, SIGs, are created by business owners pooling their resources to achieve greater control, improve claims outcomes, and lower overall costs. Members share in any surpluses or shortfalls of funding needed to cover claims and operating costs of the group. The California Restaurant Mutual Benefit Group is one of the California self-insured groups formed by restaurant owners choosing to opt out of commercial insurance, and it is the only workers' comp self-insured group for California restaurants, and it also has become California's largest self-insured group with more than 3,000 members and annual payroll greater than $1 billion. In the group's early years, mismanagement by third-party service providers resulted in the group undercharging itself and incurring $80 million deficit, which was discovered during a regulatory audit by the state of California Office of Self-Insurance Plans, that's OSIP. The group's Board of Trustees immediately undertook a remediation plan to correct the deficit and to install strong operational and financial controls going forward. This month, the group announced that it has successfully raised $100 million in capital over the last decade from its members 
and through diligent fiscal controls. These actions, combined with member assessments, resulted in a remarkable turnaround, resulting in a fiscally strong and sound group today. To further limit past exposure and turn the page on the early days of the group, the group also completed two lost portfolio transfers, and Safety National Insurance assumed all responsibility for past legacy program claims from 2004 through 2015. This freed the members from a liability exposure of the past and assisted them to begin focusing on the present and future health of the group. And in medical news, in the wake of California's statutory mandate for a higher minimum wage for healthcare workers, multiple financial problems are on the horizon for the industry as a whole. And retail pharmacies are the latest example. Rite Aid filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection on October 16th, after the company had been struggling with falling sales and opioid-related lawsuits. The company is the third largest pharmacy chain in the United States with over 2,200 stores in 17 states. But the company has been losing money for several years, and its stock price has plummeted. And now it will reportedly close roughly 400 to 500 of its approximately 2,200 stores by the end of its bankruptcy. And there are now media reports about walkouts by Walgreens pharmacists and technicians around the country. And at CVS, stores in Kansas City over low pay and understaffed stores. The majority of drugstores' sales comes from filling prescriptions, but their profits from that segment have declined in recent years because of lower reimbursement rates for prescription drugs. And the front end of the drugstores, where they sell snacks and household stables, also face pressure. Thus, CVS, Walgreens, and Rite Aid are eliminating some locations as they face rising competition for these items from Amazon, big box stores with pharmacies like Walmart, and Dollar General in rural areas. And theft has become a problem for drugstores in some locations, and some stores have resorted to locking up products to prevent theft. But this has been uh, made the consumer experience worse. Drugstores are trying to pivot into the more lucrative healthcare industry in recent years and become primary care providers. CVS acquired health insurer Aetna, and Walgreens took a majority stake in primary care network Village MD. But this strategy requires fewer brick and mortar retail stores. CVS closed 244 stores between 2018 and 2020. And in 2021, it announced plans to close 900 stores by 2024. And Walgreens said in 2019, it would close 200 stores, and in June announced an additional 150 store closures. And California's current minimum wage is $15.50 an hour, and some cities in California have established minimum wage that are even higher. 
since the start of 2022, spearheaded by the SEIU United Healthcare Workers, several California cities have passed or introduced ordinances for a $25 per hour minimum wage for healthcare workers. And some of these ordinances have been challenged and put on hold after petitions for a referendum were submitted to put the matters before city voters. This is now all about to change after Governor Newsom signed Senate Bill 525, a new law that places a limited moratorium on future initiatives while preserving the recent health care worker $25 minimum wage initiative passed by voters in Inglewood. Generally speaking, the new law provides a tiered schedule of increases for differing employees based on spe- uh, specified factors. This new law was highly controversial, and there is a long list of organizations who were in favor or who opposed the new law. So that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and our special reports using your iPhone, iPad, or Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. And remember, we also publish our daily news, our podcast, and other utilities on our free WorkCompApps.com smartphone app. Again, I am Renee Foles with Floyd Scarron, Manukian Langevin. Thanks for joining us today, and please drop by again next week for more news.